ushers, you can go ahead and receive that offering. And um, this weekend, we have a message called In His Presence. We're going to be talking about the presence of God, which is so important and is so powerful, because in the presence of God, we are changed. Amen? So if you could welcome our lead pastor, Joe Source. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm very grateful to be back. Amen. And uh, first of all, let me thank you all um, for the gifts and the cards and the birthday wishes and all that for my birthday last month. Um, I really do appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Your generosity is unbelievable. So uh, thank you, every one of you. I appreciate that. I want to get into this message as soon as we can. Um, what I'm believing for, and we've kind of seen some of it already come to pass last night's service and then this morning first service, is for us not so much to have a transference of information, but for us to have an encounter with God. Let me, let me just explain this. Uh, I, I'm looking around. There's a lot of new faces here today, and we welcome you. We're just grateful for you. Thank God that you're here. Uh, we're, we're, I'm glad that you're here to be able to hear this message. If you're just starting to attend here, this is probably the best season for you to have come to this church right now. Okay? <clears throat> Here's what we need to get 100% clear in our understanding, okay? Um, when we come to church, I know we come, we want to hear a message from the Word of God. We want to be inspired. Uh, we want to receive, sometimes we receive impractical um, principles to apply to our everyday life. And all those things are wonderful, and they're great, and they're just a blessing. But if we only leave with information and we haven't received an impartation, you could do that home. There is so much information available right now. There's, we're literally fulfilling the prophecy in Daniel. I talked about in the last days how information would just increase and just accelerate tremendously. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that. We have, there's so many, just even in written form, books and on the internet. And of course, you've got to watch everything you, know, you, you look at and the things that you ingest online. But let's face it, we can get information on our own. But there's something about coming together with the rest of our brothers and sisters and experiencing the presence of God. Now, not to say that you and I can't experience the presence of God on our own. We can. But there's something about coming together and experiencing the presence of God in a very corporate way, together with our brothers and sisters. It's just like, it's just, it's like on steroids. It just goes through the roof. I'll never forget about, I guess, Probably back in January, I think it was. He was a young man. I don't see him here today. He may have been here last night. I don't remember. I know he was here Wednesday night. This young man who had come to one of our services on a Sunday, and it was one of those wild, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Wild Sunday services where the Holy Spirit just came in and just took over the whole place. And it's like uh, and an hour and a half later, we all went, what the heck happened? <laughs> and this young man had never experienced a service like like this type of service before. He was raised, being raised in the same denomination that I was, you know, which you never saw stuff like that happen. And uh, I'll never forget, I talked to him out in the lobby, and he said to me, uh, you know, when you, you know, you, you ever bring a friend to church and that's the, the day that the Holy Spirit decides to, <laughs> you know, like half the congregation is speaking in tongues and your friend's going like, what the heck's going on? I was concerned it was that type of a thing, you know? So I went over to him and I said, so, you know, shook his hand, introduced myself, you know, what do you think? I'm like, what I'm really saying is, are we ever going to see you again? <laughs> so he said to me, this was the most raw, genuine experience I have ever had. Now watch, no, no, don't waste time. I only have so much time. I appreciate that, but don't waste time. Watch this now, watch this now. That's what we're supposed to be experiencing that young man had an encounter with God, and I've watched him. He's every, every time he's in church, I, I know the Holy Spirit's touching his heart. I'm watching his life, okay? If we, if we come to church and we learn and memorize every word of the Bible from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through even the maps at the end of the Bible, 
What good is that if we don't have an encounter with God? His presence is so important for us. This is the very thing. Hear my heart now. This is the very thing that Jesus came to restore to us. Well, Jesus came to bring us into salvation. Yes, but salvation is the method of Jesus bringing us back into the relationship that we're supposed to have with God to begin with, the relationship that Adam had before the fall, living in his presence, so comfortable in his presence. And and in the other services this weekend, I started out with the statement, the greatest tragedy that's ever happened to to humanity is in Genesis chapter 3 very early on, when, when Adam and Eve chose to take the trust and the faith and the relationship that they had with God the Father, their creator, and they took it, and I always picture it like they disconnected from God the Father and connected to the enemy, to his words, to his voice, taking the confidence that they previously had with God and took that confidence and put it in the lies of the devil, what happened to them? In purest form, they became, the end result was, they became uncomfortable in the presence of God. Think about this now. What was the very first knee-jerk reaction? Adam, where are you? I hid myself for I was afraid. Wait a second, you hid yourself. Now, we don't know how old Adam was. We don't know how long it was from the time that he was created out of the dust of the earth until the point of that conversation. We don't know. But for all that time, he was so just comfortable in the presence of God. I mean, let's be honest with each other, okay? You're going to walk around naked around somebody? You got to be comfortable. (laughs) And the older you get, the harder that is. You, you hear what I'm saying today? The enemy went after that comfortable relationship that Adam and Eve had with their creator. And, and, and what was the next thing that happened? They sewed fig leaves to cover themselves. What was their first reaction? Their first reaction was? To hide. And then what was the next thing? They created a religion. So that their expectation was that God, when he looked at them, wouldn't look at them, would look at the fig leaves. Look at, we've covered ourselves. We've covered our shame without you. All religion is rebellion against God. All religion is rebellion against God. It's, It's having the audacity to say, I made my own belief system. I don't need to submit to yours. But what I'm expecting is for you, God in heaven, for you to respect my belief system. And God goes, yeah, right. (laughs) And that curse has been on mankind ever since. I've shared this in the other services many times. I've been pastoring this church for 26 years from day one. And it never fails every once in a while. And some of you might have been thinking about this if this is your first time here with us. Every once in a while, we'll have somebody walk in and go, there's no cross. And sometimes, you know, I'll say, and there's no electric chair either (laughs) or gas chamber because the cross is a method of execution. Okay, now I understand. Don't get crazy. Don't start throwing stuff, you know. I understand what the cross means. I'm not diminishing. But what is is that? Well, I I want something comfortable for me. I I don't want to be just vulnerable, just me and God. I want to hide behind my rosaries. I want to hide behind my candle lighting. I want to hide behind, uh, where's the stained glass windows? Why don't we have stained glass windows? Because we know how to read now. Stained glass windows existed in medieval times because the illiteracy rate was ridiculous. Nobody knew how to read. So the only way they could get the gospel story or learn the stories from the Bibles was these beautiful stained glass pictures. And they knew. They saw Adam and Eve. They, They recognized the apple. Oh, that's Adam and Eve. We don't need those anymore. Are you listening to me? We don't need that stuff. We, we, we want to, our human nature, our carnal fleshly nature wants 
ritual, spectacle, trappings. Now, I come out of that background, okay? We like that. We like to look at all the gold, and we like to look at all the fancy altar and all this other stuff, and it just, just makes me feel like I'm in a different dimension. Yeah, it's called religion. Okay, that's not what God's after. What God's after is a face-to-face relationship with us. And what good is coming to church and even being in church every day of the week and, 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 and praying and, and all this other stuff, but you never have an encounter with God? What good is it? Well, uh, uh, Pastor, I know I'm born again. I know, you know, I, I said the prayer and I, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Yeah, that's wonderful. And you're going to go to heaven because you don't get saved based on you, what you do. We go to heaven based on what he did and us putting our trust in the fact that he did this for us. Okay, I understand that. But that we're supposed to grow in the relationship. We're not supposed to go, all right, I signed the paper. You know, we negotiated the deal. You showed me who you are. I responded. I said yes to you. I received you as Lord and Savior. I'll see you when I die. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You see, we step into eternity here, not when we take our last breath. When you got born again, and if you haven't yet, you'll have the opportunity before we leave today. When you declared with your mouth what you believed in your heart about the Lord Jesus Christ, you instantaneously, your spirit came alive unto God. His spirit came to live in your spirit. You, for all practical purposes, stepped into eternity at that point in time. Now, I know we're still carrying around this body. One day we're going to lay it down where Jesus is going to come and get us and it's going to get changed in an instant and we're going to go to heaven and be with him. Amen? Amen? But until that time, how do we live here? How do we live here? Because I don't know if you realize this. Maybe, maybe some of you are not realizing this. This world is crazy. <laughs> Our culture is crazy. Yeah. Our society is out of its mind. Uh, someday soon I'm going to teach on this from Romans chapter 1, where, in, where an entire nation, an entire society can be given over to delusion, and that's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. Nothing makes sense on a public scale. Nothing makes sense. Okay. You and I have to, have to stay and learn how to get into the presence of God and live in the presence of God or we're going to fall for some of the junk that's being... Are you listening to me? I hope you are. Okay? So, Genesis chapter 3, everything changed in a moment, in an instant. They became uncomfortable with, with the presence of God and we inherited this curse, this pre-existing condition. And that's why I know the first time I stepped in with church, into a church with a bunch of crazy people like here, I was like, what the heck is going on in here? Why are they raising their hands? And what's all these languages I hear people talking? You know, I, I knew some languages, and I'm like, I came home and said to my wife, I don't know, these people talk languages I've never heard before. I had no idea about it speaking in tongues. I had no idea about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I had no idea that that was a real thing, okay? And, and, and people shouting and dancing in the aisles, and I'm like, what the heck did I walk into? But even though my soul was very uncomfortable and I wanted to run out of there, and I realized later the reason I wanted to run out of there because the demons that I had accumulated in my life up to that point, the last thing they wanted was to go to church, but my spirit on the inside was so desperate, so desperate for God, so desperate for change, so desperate for transformation. That was like as crazy as it is and as nuts as it seems, I got to go back. And three days later, went back to a midweek service and bam, got born again and then went into a rinse cycle for the next six months, cried every time I went to church, just crying and crying and crying to the point it was like, I'd sit there and go, what's the matter with me? I mean, I'd cry during the announcements. It was just like. <laughs> and then it took me a while to realize it was the presence of God. Amen. It was the presence of God. And some of you may have experienced that for the first time because it was strong there during worship. Now, we're going to go back into worship in a little while. But in the meantime, I want to share some things with you about the presence of God. It is possible to live in that. 
oh, come on, Pastor. I got to get up tomorrow and go to work, and I have to go in. I love this one. I got to go into the real life. No, honey, <laughs> this is the real life. The other stuff is what we have to do in order to live and feed our families and do whatever, and God provides for that. He's the one who sets you on your job, and you're going, oh, yeah, well, well, I guess he didn't know that my boss was the Antichrist. <clears throat> but you understand what I'm saying? What you and I need to learn, and I, I'm praying, and, and been praying, and believing God that I'm going to have the ability to, to impart some of that today. But let me just tell you this. If you're hungry for God, he'll meet you. If you're not hungry for God, I'd be concerned. You know, many of you know that I was, I was not here for most of the month of June because we had three of our grandchildren from Arizona come out and stay with us, and it usually happens once a year, so I wanted to spend as much time as I could with them. There's only one difference this year. They grew up. <laughs> Years ago, when they're babies, you tell them, sit there. This is what you're going to eat. This is where we're going. This is what you're wearing. No, now they have opinions. <laughs> they have opinions. So... I would cook these phenomenal meals, and they'd sit there. Do you have any chicken, nu chicken nuggets? <laughs> I made you this beautiful meal, and you want chicken nuggets. Now, what happens? Watch this now. See, my wife, my wife, she likes to be the good guy all the time. So that makes me have to be the Thank you. I'm used to it. All right. So... Four o'clock in the afternoon. Barb, what are you giving them snacks for? Well, they're hungry. Well, let them stay hungry. Just be able to eat the food when we have dinner. Now, here, have a, have a brownie. Have some chips. As a, then it, now they get older. Now it graduates to, well, let's make them some grilled cheese. Grilled cheese. I got a meal. <laughs> so what inevitably happens? What happens? When it's time to sit down to dinner, I'm not hungry. Why? Well, I ate this, and I ate that, and I ate that. We do the same thing spiritually. If you're not hungry for God, it's because you've been snacking on stuff that's not going to add anything to you. Now, I'm not looking for applause, but, but listen to me. You understand what I'm saying? If you're not hungry for God, it's because you've been picking out on stuff that is not helping Start sifting some of this junk. I'm talking to me as I'm talking to you. Start sifting some of this junk out of, and you see how you start getting. Listen, don't wait for a crisis to get hungry for God again. It's his presence. Exodus chapter 33, let's go there. It's possible to live. It's possible to live. That's not, that's not the beginning of it. Verse 11. Go back to verse 11. It's possible to live in this place. It's possible to live in that place where you're aware of his presence. L listen, I was going to say this at, towards the end, but I'm going to say it now. When we just had worship, right? We just had worship. Okay. And we said, we're going to do one song, but then when I realized, oh my God, we, we can't stop here now. So we, we, we went further in worship. But watch this now. When we worship, we don't worship like pagans. Let me explain this to you because I've been watching this for 39 years in Christianity. We don't come together and beg and sweat. Well, maybe if I lift my hands, he's going to show up. Well, maybe if we sing that song, he's going to show up. Well, maybe if we do this. Well, maybe if I do that. No, that's pagan worship. If you go read in the scriptures in the Old Testament with the prophet Elijah, he confronts 600 false prophets of Baal. Baal was the main idol that they were worshiping at that time. Now, the worshipers of Baal set up their altar. And then for the next, I think, six hours, go read it if I'm wrong, they're hooping and hollering, jumping up and down. They start cutting themselves to spill blood to appease their God so that he might just show up. You know how many Christians worship that way? Oh, please, God. Oh, please, God. Oh, please, God. 
If you're born again, his spirit came to live inside you. You are now the temple of the Holy Ghost where he dwells. It's not a, we don't come together to worship to beg him to get off his throne and come down here and meet with us. We worship so that you and I can get rid of the distractions of life and we can realize he's in me. He's here. He's real. Are you understanding what I'm saying? If we would get that in our heads, we would be, it would be so much easier to come into the presence of God. Watch this now. So the Lord spoke to Moses, say that, face to face. Let me stop right there. Don't take this off the screen. The Hebrew word for face is the same word that's translated presence. It's the word ponim, P-A-N-I-M, but we pronounce it ponim. Say that with me. Why is that important? Because that word appears all throughout the Old Testament. What does it mean? Face to face. So coming into the presence of God is really getting in his face. And he wants us to get in his face. Adam lived in God's face. They had fellowship together. They were used to each other. They got to know each other. (coughs) Excuse me. So the Lord spoke ponim to ponim as a man speaks to his friend. When you develop a relationship with somebody, that relationship grows deeper and richer and more beneficial the more time you spend with that other person. I've been sharing this. My wife and I, next month in August, we're going to be married 46 years. 46 years. Forty-six years. We don't even have to talk. We look at each other, and I know exactly what she's thinking. She'll look at me, and she knows exactly what I'm thinking. It's ridiculous. In 46 years, you know, opposites attract, right? And I, God really did a good job with us. But in 46 years, now watch this now. We were in business together all of our lives, raised our kids, four of our sons together, Okay. Now been in the ministry, we've never done anything apart from each other. You say, my God, you made it this far? It wasn't easy. She should have killed me the first seven years we were married. But we've spent time in each other's face. I know this for a fact. Every single meal at night we have our meal together, I know I could look at the clock and within 10 to 15 minutes, After we're done eating, after we've cleared the table, in 10 minutes, this is what I'm going to hear. Man, I could really go for something sweet. (laughs) I could bet my life on it. We've been together for 46 years. I remember when she was delivering our first son. Back then, they used to do Lamaze. Anybody remember Lamaze? Who remembers Lamaze? Well, we were having so many kids, they wanted us to become trainers. <laughs> so the key to Lamaz, when your wife is losing it because the pains are like, whoa, you have to get in her face, ponim to ponim. And I would have to get in her face and go, Barb, look at me, look at me. Because you're starting to lose it while she's got her hand on my throat. Look at me. Breathe. Are you getting this? You getting this? Are you youngsters? You missed out on this. What a treat. Breathe. So what is it? What is it now? What is it now? One has to help the other not to lose it. Well, what do you think we need to get in God's face for? Oh, my gosh. This is so good. Do you remember Jairus? His daughter is 12 years old. She's dying at home, and, Jesus, and he goes looking for Jesus. And while he's heading towards Jairus' house to heal this 12-year-old, a woman shows up who's been bleeding for 12 years. And we won't go into the whole story. She's distracting Jesus. Jairus is standing there going, I'm glad this woman's getting healed, but my daughter's home dying. 
And so while that's going on, the servants come from his house and say to Jairus, don't bother the master anymore. Your daughter has died. Jesus hears this, and he, pornim to pornim, gets, oh my gosh, gets in Jairus' face and goes, Jairus, only believe. Only believe. Why? Because nothing's impossible to those who believe. He got his focus. What did he do? He got his focus. What's he doing? Jairus, breathe. But don't, don't let this news shake you. Jairus, don't let the news shake you. Why do you and I need to live in the face-to-face relationship with God? Because every day there's an opportunity for something to come out of left field to grab a hold of us, to cause us to panic, to freak, to walk away, to, to say God's not real, this stuff's not real. You and I have got to learn how to live in the presence of God like Moses did. Why? We are living in the last of the last days. Granted, I believe, and I know many of you believe, that the church is not going to be here for the worst of what's going to happen in the future. We believe that. But even the stuff leading up to that time is going to be frightening enough. And if you have not lived your life in, God, in, the, in God's face, there's stuff that's going to happen on this earth that could cause you to totally free. And Jesus said in those days, men's hearts would fail them for fear. You and I got to live in God's face, getting in that face. Let, let him say to us, Ray, Ray, look at me, Ray. Ray, look at me. Breathe, Ray. <laughs> so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to camp, but his servant Joshua, which this is a whole other teaching, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Joshua stayed behind. That's a whole other deal. When you read the book of Joshua, you understand why Joshua was able to accomplish that. Why? Because Joshua learned how to get into the presence of God, hanging out with Moses. Next verse. Then Moses said to the Lord, see, now he's got a relationship. He could talk. And when you have a relationship with somebody, you could talk. He's not just going, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's talking back. Why? They're friends. They're face-to-face friends. So Moses, Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people. In other words, I'm supposed to bring them to the promised land. But you, were not, you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Well, what is next verse? What is Moses saying? Hey, we're supposed to have this great relationship. You talk to me face to face, and I'm still alive. Well, come on, when are you going to show me what the rest of the plan is? Why? Because when you live face to face with God, when you live in the, you're used to the presence of God, He gives you the right to ask questions. Therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. He didn't say, give me what I want. He said, what? Show me your, what? your ways. I want to learn who you are. I want to know you more. I want to know. My God, Moses says, show me your way. This is a man who speaks face to face to God. You know what I hear? I hear Paul saying that I may know him. And that I might experience the power of his resurrection. And even if I have to suffer to get there. Say, Paul, Paul, you saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. He allowed you to go plant churches all over the eastern part of the Roman Empire. He had the privilege of writing two-thirds of the New Testament, received revelation from God on the subjects of faith. How do we get born again? Salvation, righteousness, justification by faith. Paul gets to receive, and he's still saying, I want to know you. When I first started reading this, I'm going, if Paul said this, I don't have a chance. But then I come to realize Moses did the same thing, right? Why? We sang about it this morning. I, once you get used to his presence, once you know his presence, once you have experienced the encounter with the presence of God, you can't get enough. Moses is going, this is great, but I want more. Paul's like, this is great, but I want more. We should have that same kind of a heart. Not stuffing ourselves with every stupid thing that our society presents. Entertainment, constantly wanting entertainment, constantly wanting comfort, constantly wanting us, ourselves, to be the center of everything. You're settling for the the lower life instead of going for the high call, 
Are you listening to me? We need his presence. So, show me your way now that I may know you. And then I might find grace in your sight. What, what, you just said you had grace. No, I need more grace now. Why? Because he's heading into the future. You and I are heading into our future. We need more grace than we've experienced in the past. Are you listening to me? There was one batch of grace that hit you when you got born again, but now you're still living on this planet. You need more grace for the future. Amen? Is anybody listening this morning, or am I just ranting here? <clears throat> Next verse. And what does God say back to him? Watch this now. Read it with me. Read the yellow words with me. Ready? One, two, three. My presence will go with you, and I will give you what? Rest. I'll give you what? Rest. Pastor, how do I know if I've been in the presence of God? Rest. Rest. Because when you learn to get into his presence, you learn how to stay in that presence. You, 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 don't, you don't let anything shake you. You don't care what the doctor says. You don't care what the accountant says. You don't care what's going on with other relations. You don't care about... No, you could be in the middle of the worst crisis of your life. But when you've tapped into the presence of God, what are you going to have? Rest. Rest. That's why some of us, we go to church, we come out of church, and we're like, oh, I feel so good. If you're going to encounter an enemy, tell him to meet you outside of church. <laughs> somebody who really aggravates you. Somebody who you want to just go like, Ugh. <laughs> meet me after church. <laughs> Why? Because when you come out of that, when you come into this corporate presence of God, you've been here, you're sitting on the word, been worshiping God, experiencing the presence of God. You go outside, they're like, I hate you. They spit on you. They called you all kinds of names. Your mother was ugly. All this stuff. None of that stuff. What you go, I love you, bro. Come here. I love you. Not because you're at rest. Why? Because you've just been in the presence of God. We can live that way. We can live that way. Oh, well, that's easy for you. You're the pastor. <laughs> Are you joking? I have to struggle for that. I sit down to read the Bible. And what happens? I'm, re I'm reading for myself just to kind of build myself up and spend time myself. First thing, don't even get past two, three scriptures in the first thing. Oh, you promised so-and-so you were going to contact them. Oh, you're supposed to send an email to this person. Oh, you better call the office and check and see if this department's taking care of that situation. And, I, and like a dummy, I go, oh, oh, you're okay. <laughs> and I get distracted and get distracted. I got to fight for it. Stupid mistake I made. I have an office at home. I get most of my work I get done there. When I say work, I'm talking about preparation, prayer, study, all that kind of stuff. But I made a mistake. I put my personal Bible right in the same room with the computer. So I, I tricked myself. I took my Bible and I put it on the other side of the house. But I made a stupid mistake because I took my phone with me when I went to the other side of the house. <laughs> Then I've learned, no, leave the phone over there. What would if somebody called you? Well, what if they would have called 40 years ago? They couldn't get me. <laughs> Back then, the phone was attached to the wall. We lived, we survived, okay? But today, I don't want to get stupid, but some of us can't even go to the bathroom without the phone. We have cellular constipation if the phone's not there. <laughs> You know who you are. <laughs> and 35 minutes later, somebody's banging on the door. What are you doing in there? <laughs> Distractions. Distractions. Constantly robbing us of our focus and our attention. You listening? We can develop this kind of reverence for the presence of God. Ponim to ponim. Face to face. I was reading after one of the Bible teachers that I like to follow. He said this, there's nothing quite like the peace, the joy, the splendor that we experience in God's presence. It's true. All other experiences fail to match the experience of being with God. And while many people think that God is a far-off celestial being who only comes as he pleases, he is not. 
He is Emmanuel. Do you know what Emmanuel means? God with us. When we're in his presence, he promises rest, calm, peace, no more anxiousness. Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Come on, read it, read it. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We need the presence of God as much as we need air to breathe. We're just too stupid to realize it. Psalm 16. I especially want to go to Psalm 16, and I'm going to show you something. Psalm 16, verse 11. Yes, Psalm 16, 11. Now, this is the psalmist, the person who wrote the psalm, is speaking to God. Okay, so get the context there. You will show me the path of life. Read the rest of the yellow words with me. One, two, three. In your presence is what? Fullness of joy. Yeah, because there's rest, there's restoration, there's refreshing, there's comfort, there's calm, there's lack of anxiety. But now look what it says right after that. At your right hand, right hand. How many people have a right hand here? Let me see. Let me see if you have a right hand. Anthony, the other one, the other right. (laughs) If you have a right hand, let me see your right hand. Come on, come on. At your right hand, there's what? Pleasures. Pleasures. For how how long? Now, I didn't grow up this way, especially in the Christian faith. But some of you did. Some of you grew up believing because the person who was in charge to teach you told you that God is not interested in what you desire. He, you can only believe God for your bare necessities. That's wrong for you to ask God for something that you desire because God's only obligated to provide. So, so basically what they were telling you is you should live in poverty and you should thank God that he's even given you a piece of dry bread and a glass of water. Does that sound like a loving father? But let's read this again. You show me the path of life, and your presence is fullness of joy. Not just barely getting by, joy. And at your, come on. At your what? Is what? Pleasures forevermore. Psalm 1611. You got that? You think Jesus knew about Psalm 1611? How many of you know that Jesus knew about Psalm 1611? Okay, go to John chapter 15. Why is John chapter 15 so important? What, what, what's happening in the background in John chapter 15? What's happening in Jesus' life during this time? Remember, I've taught you over and over and over again. John chapter 13 all the way through John chapter 17 are the most important chapters in the gospel of John. And in all the gospels, really, because where, where, what's happening while this is going on? The Last Supper. Well, why is that a big deal? It's a big deal because Jesus is sharing his last thoughts with his disciples because in another 12 hours, he's going to the cross and they're all going to be traumatized. Important. Everything you and I know about the subject of love from the the lips of Jesus and the subject of the Holy Spirit, he taught at the Last Supper. You getting this? Look what he's saying here. Remember Psalm 16? If you abide in me, what does it mean to abide? Abide. Couldn't we say, if you're in my presence, it means the same thing? Yes or no? If you abide, talking about presence now, in me, if we're ponim to ponim, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you... I want you to recognize the importance of that word. You will ask what you... Desire. Desire. And it shall be done for you. Well, pastor, we're talking about presence. Yeah, but we're also talking about the result of living in his presence. Now, Jesus could make this statement, but there's a qualifier here. He's not obligated to provide the desire of just everyone. He's obligating himself. Are you guys with me today? He's obligating himself to provide the desires, in other words, over and above basic needs, to who? To those who what? Abide. Abide. Why? Why would he make that differentiation? Watch this now. 
Because if you've developed a lifestyle of living face-to-face with him, that means not only are you getting a chance to know him, he's got a chance to study you. And because you've developed a lifestyle where you're abiding in him, in his presence, and and you're allowing his word to abide in you, he knows that he can trust you with the desires. He knows because you've been spending time together, you're not going to desire something that's not going to glorify him. You're not going to desire something that's going to bring harm to your life. Proverbs, it says, the blessing of the Lord makes you rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Well, not everybody's qualified for that because there's some people who are always messing themselves up, getting involved in financial stuff that they got no business getting involved in. Then when they go, well, I can't believe this all fell apart. I really thought it was God. No, nah, it wasn't. You listening to me? In his presence, there's fullness of joy. At his right hand, there's pleasures evermore. In his presence. In his presence, you will not qualify for that. If we're not spending time in his presence, you better thank God he doesn't give you anything you want. You can't handle it. In his presence... You're tapping into him, he's tapping into you. It's a shared experience. I don't know if I can believe that about God. I don't know that God would want to have that kind of relationship with me. That's why Jesus came back. That's why Jesus appeared on the earth. That's why Jesus went to the cross to bring us back. Well, he came to bring us salvation. Salvation is the way to get you back to the relationship. He didn't come to just bring us salvation. He purchased our salvation to get us back restored to God Almighty the way Adam and Eve were before the fall. The first Adam came and messed everything up. The second Adam had to come and restore everything. But it's not the restoring. The restoring is not salvation. Salvation is a means to get restored. Are you listening to me? You guys are looking at me like tilt. Are you getting this? We're not asking God for something that he's not willing to give us. His whole reason for sending Jesus to the cross was to get us back, come on, pornim to pornim. Get in his presence. Find out from the Holy Spirit, what's blocking me from experiencing your presence on a regular basis? I'll guarantee you where he's going to start with, distractions. Distractions. Plugging in stuff where God should be. Filling our minds with entertainment. I'm going to share something with you. I'm not happy about it. I shared this with Pastor Jerry a few days ago. I'm sitting in my office at home, and I'm thinking about a situation that I'm going to have to deal with, okay? Okay? A relational thing. And all of a sudden, in my mind, I saw myself dealing with the situation in a specific way. And as soon as I saw myself dealing with that situation in a specific way, I had a flashback from a TV program that I've been watching. And I went, oh my God. My behavior in this situation is being shaped by something other than the word of God. It literally took me back. I went, oh my God. Oh my God. I got to cut back on all of this stuff. Because we start, we, we become what we behold. And I didn't, and it's so subtle, we don't even realize we're doing it. We don't even realize we're doing it. Had I taken that time that I spent binging this stupid series, and spending time with God, my automatic reaction or response would have been different. Now, thank God it didn't happen yet. So I had an opportunity to change the course of that thing. <coughs> but you understand what I'm talking about? How many times do we do that? We expose ourselves to stuff. That we, and then when it comes up, because that's what we put in, what we put in is going to come up. Well, I don't know if I want to come to this church if this pastor's like, no, at least I have the... 
guts to admit it. Because <laughs> you know you do the same thing. You listening to me? Getting in his presence. That's the most important thing. Now, time has gone by. We don't have a lot of time. Let's stand up. Worship team, come on, get up here. Now listen, listen, listen. The Holy Spirit knows we have our Spanish service at 1 o'clock. We don't have a lot of time here. Okay, he knows that. But you need to know that so that you need to be aware and have, listen, have faith to believe that the Holy Spirit can do just in a few minutes what we might have hours at another time. We don't have hours today. But I'm trusting God that what I've shared has been able to make an impact in your heart. Now, let's seal that with worship. Now, there's something about taking an action step that kind of like seals things for us. So um, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to step out of your seats. I don't know how we're going to do this, but we'll try. And just come up here. Get out of your seats. Get out of your little comfort zone. Get out from behind the person that's in front of you. Because here's another thing I've learned. We rarely receive anything from God until we become vulnerable and transparent. So you guys are going to have to really pack in, move up here on the sides, move up on the sides over there. It's the act of getting out of your seat more than anything. Come on, guys. We've got to do this quick. We're just going to worship God. We're just going to worship God. So I, ref- I, I really feel uncomfortable right now. Good. Come on. If, if you have some place that you have to get to and there's a time uh, constraint on you, just God bless you, you can go. But I, just, I would love to see. Move up, please. Move up, please. Move up, please. I would just love to see you just. Can you move up? I'll tell you what, why don't you a whole bunch come up here, I'm, I'm here. Go ahead. Hey, maybe God's going to make worship a vocalist out of you. Come on. Whoever wants to come up here, come up here. Same thing on this side, who wants to come up here, come up here. Just stay away from John. He bites. Come on, move up, move up, move up, move up. All right, so listen, this is what we're doing. We're just worshiping God. Listen to me. Don't come up here. So I'm going to go up there because God's going to give me this. Give me. No, no, no. Don't do that. Just, just let him meet you where you are. Please move up here. Please move up. Okay. All right. Come on. Come on, lift your hands up. Just stop where you are right now. Just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. We're in your presence, God. We're in your presence, Jesus. We're in your presence, Lord. Now come and move upon your people, Lord. Father, there's chains here that need to be broken. Father, there's grief here that needs to be comforted, Lord. And in your presence, God. Father, there's bodies that need to be healed. (laughs) Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to get used to not having all the clutter. Help us to get used to where it's just you and I. You and us. Ponim, the Ponim. 
God, I pray for those that are here right now that are standing amongst us, Father, that don't know you yet, that have not come to that place, Father, to say with their mouths, to make a declaration of faith, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that he's the son of God. I believe that he went to the cross and died for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead. I believe he's alive right now. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would grab a hold of the hearts of those who need to receive Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. God, what good is it if we come in your presence here and there's those that will leave that don't know you yet? So listen. I want us to do this together. Let's all say, let's all make this declaration of faith together. Those of you that are here today that you've never had the opportunity to ask Jesus to be your Lord, to be your Savior, to receive him and the gift of salvation, please pray this prayer with us. Say this together with me. Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross as payment for my sins. I admit that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. I need you, Jesus. I believe that you are risen from the dead, that you're alive right now, and you literally hear me praying. So Jesus, I declare you as Lord over my life. You are my Savior. You are my God. I receive salvation right now. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. The greatest miracle you could ever experience was just experienced by some among us. Praise God. Now listen, you're going to leave this place now. You're going to go do what you're going to do for the rest of the day. Don't leave this experience behind. Because let me tell you something, okay? There's a devil waiting in the parking lot. And as soon as you start heading for your car, he's going to tell you, this was a joke. This is nothing but a bunch of theatrics today. Just say, you didn't need to do this. God's not real. You just got caught up in the emotions. You know what you need to do? I can't do it for you. You need to do it. You know what you say to him? Shut up. Shut up. Amen? Amen. Listen, listen. I pray that something that I shared today, something that came from the scriptures, something we sang, whatever, has touched your heart. Hold on to it, please. Let the Holy Spirit teach you and train you how to live pornim to pornim in his presence. Amen? Amen. If there's anybody that needs prayer for anything else before you leave, stay up here. The rest of you, God bless you. Go enjoy the rest of the weekend.